God, take us deeper. Take us deeper this morning in you. Lord God, that we would have an encounter with you. Father, that that your presence would be so strong here, Lord God, that and our encounter so strong that we would walk away changed, Lord, because we've had an encounter with you. Take us deeper, Lord, regardless of where we are in our relationship with you, Father. Give us a desire and then help us to go deeper with you, Lord. Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity. Lord Jesus, that we would see you for the loving, gracious, giving Father that you are. Lord, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts. Most importantly, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. So, Lord God, we pray these things with expectation in the all-powerful and the almighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for joining us. Warrior Youth, you guys are released to go back. How's everybody doing today? All right. All right. Well, good. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here with us. I'm starting a new series this week that I'm really excited about, and the series title is Gifts from the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to talk about, I kind of want to lay the foundation um, talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people say, well, what are my spiritual gifts? I don't know if I have spiritual gifts. And uh, so I have some questions that I'd like for you to ponder, and we will be answering as we go through this series. The first question is, what are the gifts from the Holy Spirit? What is the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Is the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit the same? Let me ask you a question. This is fruit, right? And this could be a gift. We may give this away at the end of the series. I don't know. There's nothing in here but paper. But are they different? They, they're different. Okay, well, we're going to talk about this through this series. So there are several questions that I will address. And uh, we, as we discover what Jesus talked about and taught on regarding the fruit of the Spirit and also the gifts from the Spirit. So this series will help us differentiate between the differences and the correlation between the fruit from the Holy Spirit and the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Because even though they're different, there is a correlation there. So let's begin by looking at the fruit from our own sinful nature, our selfish nature, versus the fruit from the Spirit. The Bible says that we were conceived in sin. We're all born in sin. Sin entered into humanity when Adam and Eve disobeyed, when they sinned. And so, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I just have this sinful nature. Well, let me, let me tell you, it's not your fault. We all have it. But we came with it. It started with Adam and Eve in the garden when they disobeyed. So, the sin nature is within us. Okay? So, we all have it. We're going to be going to several scriptures. We're going to be going to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be going to verses 16 through 26, and also Romans 12, 1 and 2. So we'll have these on the screens, but also I encourage you to bring your Bibles, bring your notes, uh, your, your, uh, your phones and your iPads and all that kind of stuff. We encourage you to read along, but it's also on the screens. So this sermon title is The Fruit from the Holy Spirit versus The Gifts from the Holy Spirit. 
And my first point this morning is spiritual fruit builds our character. I want to talk about, before we get started on that, I want to talk about the fruit that is kind of natural in our life, the sinful nature that we're born with, that we all struggle with. And we're going to talk through this, but let's, let's recognize what those are, and then we'll, com- we'll contrast those with the fruit of the Spirit. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay, right off the bat, we see that there's a contrast here. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives? to lead us and guide us. Jesus said, I go that the Holy Spirit may come and lead you and guide you into all truth. But I say, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And I want to read it in the New American Standard Bible. Normally, we use the New Living Translation, and that's what this translation is. But let's look at the New American Standard Bible. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, let me see if I can get my charade swagger on. Walk. You know, walk by the Spirit. What, what, is, what does that mean when you're walking beside someone or you're walking beside something? There's, there's closeness there. There's contact. So in the NLT, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In Galatians 5, 16, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, But walk by the Spirit. And then let's go to the King James Version. It says, then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're seeing the same thing being said here in all three translations. Let me get, I'm, I know I'm kind of jumping around with you guys. I'm sorry about that. But in the New Living Translation, it says, so I say, walk, uh, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The New American Standard Bible. But I say walk by the Spirit, walk beside the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Okay, what did we just talk about? We talked about that we all have that sinful, carnal nature that we're born with. Again, it's not, it's not your fault. It's not our fault. We were born with it. Think back to your great, 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 great grandfather. You probably don't know him. You probably don't even know who that is. But did you have any say in what he did and, and what kind of lifestyle he lived? But let me ask you, do you think it had an impact on your life generations and generations and generations later? Probably so. And so just like sin entered into humanity through Adam and Eve, we really didn't have any say in that. I was born in Corpus Christi. I really didn't have any say in that. I didn't pick my parents. Fortunately, I have godly parents that raised me in a godly way. Um, But, you know, I didn't really have any choice in that. But the impact of that will go on for generations and generations. So, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Uh, Then I say, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And uh, this Greek word for walk, it means to tread all around. It also means to walk at large, to live like or to live with, to follow, to go with, to be occupied with, to walk about. So are you getting the point? Walk in the Spirit. Walk about the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Walk beside the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit and we will not fulfill the lusts of our flesh and our carnal desires. Okay. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants to do. 
It goes on to say in verse 17, and this spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. So we know that as we begin to walk with the Lord and the Lord begins to transform our life and do something, we begin to turn away from those things that we once did that were sinful, that were not healthy for us. And uh, let me be very, very clear here. We talk about this a lot, but Ephesians 2, 8 says what? We're saved by grace through faith when what? When we believe not of our works, not of the good things that we do. It's simply the grace of God that saves us. And so as we begin to press into God, as we give our life to the Lord and he begins to work in our life, he begins to change us from the inside out. And so we're not struggling with trying to perform. We're simply receiving God's grace and then walking in the fullness of what he's given us and giving us. And he begins to change our life. He begins to transform us. Okay, I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But uh, let me go on to say, and the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I think we have good intentions. But if we're following the desires of our sinful nature, our flesh, we're not going to be carrying out the desires that God has for us necessarily. Or we can kind of be jumping back and forth, right? In the spirit, in the flesh. Okay, listen. If you're straddling the fence, it, it's hard to, to really be committed one way or the other, right? You really can't run with it. I don't know if you've ever tried to run down a fence, but it probably doesn't work very well. And do not try that on a barbed wire fence, okay? Definitely. But listen, we need to get on one side or the other. Again, it's not that we're performing or that we, oh, I've, I've got to do the right thing. I've got to do the, the, the good thing. I, I have to turn from this. I mean, there is a decision-making process, but as the Lord begins to infuse us with his Holy Spirit, and we begin to get filled up with that. And we talked about this a lot. Those hooks in us from our flesh begin to relax. And we begin to move more into the things of God, the things of the Holy Spirit. And, and turn away from those things of the flesh that would draw us in. Listen, if we stay walking down this path that always tries to satisfy and, and uh, fill our fleshly desires, how are we ever going to get off that path? Now, let me ask you a question. Can you ever feel your, uh, fulfill your fleshly desires? I mean, how many times have you said, just one more time, just one more drink, or just one more time? And then, you know, 20, 30, 40 times later, it's, it's just one more time. Wait a minute. No, it, it never ends. And so as we walk in the Spirit, then we do not, we're not drawn, sucked into that vortex of our sinful nature. There's, it, it says here in verse 17, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So let's make a, a determination that we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're not going to struggle with that stuff. We're going to ask God to help us, and if, if we need some help, we're going to ask Him to help us. 518, but when you are directed... When you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Why would that be? Because when we're walking in the Spirit of God, we don't have to worry about lying, stealing, cheating, killing, committing adultery, those kinds of things, because we're walking in the Spirit. And so the, we're not under obligation to the law of Moses because, you know, we're not doing those things. Imagine if, if uh, I mean, well, let me put it this way. Why, why do they have speed limit signs? Because you need to know what the speed limit is. Because some people say the speed limit is, is 30 miles an hour. 
Some people, if there wasn't a speed limit sign, they'd probably slow down and maybe they'd be going 15 miles an hour. And some people would say, oh, I, I can go 80 miles an hour. You know, whatever. So the speed limit signs are there to give us some direction and give us some boundaries. Why? For our own protection and for the, the other people that are driving. And so God says, listen, I set these boundaries here. And if you stay within these boundaries, it's good. If you step out of these boundaries, it's not good. Those boundaries are there for us. And so if we're walking in the Spirit, we're not under obligation to the law of Moses because we're already following the law. We're not breaking the speed limit. We're not speeding. Okay? So verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So here Paul spells it out very clear for us. If you want to know what the results of your sinful nature are, we're going to talk about some of those. I mean, it's, it's very, very clear. We're going to compare the fruit from our sinful nature with the fruit of the Holy Spirit that can be produced in our lives. So, from the fruit of our sinful nature, it looks like this. Let's go to Galatians 5, 19, continued on here. Uh, these are the, the, this is what our sinful nature looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Let me ask you this. Do we live in a world that, that is probably following its sinful desires? I mean, can you drive down 45 without seeing half-naked bodies right there in your face and i mean you turn on the tv uh, programs do we see sexual immorality do we see impurity do we see lustful pleasures we see all of that and so we can't expect the world who's lost to necessarily be uh, uh walking in the fruit of the spirit they're walking in their sinful nature let's let's read on galatians 5 20 these are some other things idolatry do we see people that have all kinds of idols? I mean, it could be material things. It could be bowing down and worshiping another god or something like that. But it could be, could it be our children? Could it be our grandchildren? Could it be our spouse? Could it be our boat? Could it be, you know, it could be different things for different people. Anything that we elevate above God is an idol. God said, have no other gods but me. So, you know, it doesn't have to be worshiping a, a pagan god. It can be other things, can be our idols. Sorcery. This word sorcery is from the, the Greek word pharmakia. It's where we get our word pharmacy from. And so uh, sorcery can be the, the abuse of drugs. It can be uh, uh, the use of sorcery or witchcraft, casting spells, those kinds of things. And so... Uh, now listen, if, if you take medication and you're taking it as prescribed, then that's fine. But do you know people that abuse drugs? Prescription drugs? Sure. We probably all do. And so these are some of the results that stem from our sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Do you like to fight? <laughs> Are you a hothead with a short fuse? Are you full of selfish ambition? Listen, there's no, no problem being filled with godly ambition when God gives us desires and, and uh, you know, wants, has a purpose and plan for our life, which he does, and we begin to walk in those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But selfish ambition, is it all about me? Are we only looking out for number one? Do you stir up trouble? 
Are you cre creating dissension and division at work? Those are the results of our carnal nature, our sinful nature. I remember working at this place, and uh, there, we were, there were about, I don't know, about six or eight of us in this one room, and we had these little partition dividers. It was so quiet in there, you could hear people breathing. And I remember there was this one person that walked there, worked there, and she would walk into this little room where, where all these people, and she would do this. She wasn't making any noise, but she was talking. She would be gossiping with this other person, and she would just, they would be lip reading. You know, and sometimes I'd be at my desk, and, and I could, you know, face uh, either way, and uh, sometimes I'd just kind of look over and see her, and, and she'd be over there. Just going to town, just not a word coming out, but stirring up d dissension and division. God hates that. You've got a problem with someone. Go to them and talk to them. Don't go to everybody else. Go to them and talk to them. And then if you can't get a resolve, take one or two, uh, one or two other people and go talk to them. And then if you still can't get it resolved, bring it to the church and let the leaders of the church mediate. But there's a, a plan. Don't go tell everybody else. Go and talk to that person if you have a problem with them. But don't be fighting. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. It goes on to, for more in verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Then he goes on to say, let me tell you again as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Strong words, guys. Okay, well, well, you know, I sinned. I, I made a mistake. I, I guess I'm going to hell. No. What does it say? It says, let me tell you, as I've told you again, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, it says in Romans. So we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. What sin means is to miss the mark. Imagine shooting at a target. You're an archer. You're shooting at a target. Not only do you miss the target, you miss the whole thing. That's what sin is, missing the mark. So God has said, listen, this is the mark for you. Stay within these boundaries. So we all make mistakes. Hopefully we're learning from those things and hopefully we're connecting to the Spirit of God and so those hooks of our sinful carnal nature are releasing their hooks in us as we begin to walk in the power and the anointing and the fire of the Holy Spirit and we begin to connect with Him on a greater level. We, we yield our life to God and God begins to continue, does begin and continues to work in our life. So these are the results. So when you look in the mirror, are you seeing these things evident in your life? Are you seeing sexual immorality? Are you seeing impurity? Are you seeing lustful pleasures? Are you seeing jealousy? Are you seeing uh, a person there that caused division and dissension and all these things we just talked about? Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Okay, so now we're going to see the, the parallel, the contrast. And many of you know what these are. What are they? Love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that is the fruit of the Spirit. So when you look in the mirror, do you want to see a person that's caught up in sexual immorality and uh, lustful pleasures and impurity? Or would you rather see 
yourself filled with the love of God. Be filled with the love of God. Would you rather see yourself full of joy? I remember seeing a, one of those signs that, at one of the churches, and it said, joy is an inside job. It really is. Joy comes from the inside. And so as we begin to yield our life to the Lord, and it begins to, to touch the wounded, broken places of our life, and begins to bring health and healing and wholeness to our life, maybe some of you will begin to experience joy that you've never experienced before because God is doing something in your life. God is bringing health and healing and wholeness. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. I'm the love police. You're showing too much love. Cut it out or you're going to get a ticket. You know what? You have too much self-control. I'm going to write you up. Wouldn't you like to have more self-control? How about driving down I-45? Golly, I need a lot of self-control. How about patience? Okay, now I'm preaching to me. That's an area that, that I need help in. Don't be pointing fingers because you got four pointing back at you. So listen, we all need those things. And so that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we can have fruit because what? Where does fruit come from? It really, it generates internally, right? And I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. But fruit will be the expression of what's happening inside of us. And so as God begins to work in our lives, there's fruitfulness. There's good fruit. Listen, there's either going to be good fruit or bad fruit. What fruit do you want? Okay, let's read on here. Galatians 5.23. No, let's 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Okay, so listen, uh, Christ took all of those things on at the cross. And when we come to the Lord, we're saying, you know what? I'm giving you all of that stuff. God, I'm giving it to you. But how many times do we get, begin to pull it back off the cross and drag it around with us? That old stinking stuff. Wait a minute. Why would we do that? Leave it at the cross. Christ took it all on. Why would we take it back? Because sometimes we get trapped in this, this vortex of thinking, well, you know, it's, I've got to perform. No. Christ already took it all on. We just simply need to believe it and receive it and walk in the fullness of life that Christ came to give. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. They're done and over with. Jesus said when he was about to die on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's done. It's all paid for. Did he say, except for, oh, you know, that, that sin that Bob has? Or that one that Judy has? Well, all, all, all the sins are forgiven except for that one that, that you keep thinking about. No. He said it is finished. It's wiped clean. It's done with. Listen, if God can forgive you, who are you not to forgive yourself? Come on. Are you greater than God? So receive the forgiveness that God has given and provided through Christ on the cross. Receive it all. All of it. 
Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading every once in a while. Uh, oh, oh, let's see. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the leading in some parts of our lives. No. What? What does it say? Every part. Every part. So are we, are we straddling the fence? Are we determining to walk in the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to infuse us, to fill us to overflowing? It goes on to say in verse 26, let us not become conceited. Have you ever seen that in churches? People think they're holier than thou or because maybe they have a position or a title. Huh. Let us not become conceited. Because what? God has done a work in all of our lives. The good things that we do are from, generated by the Holy Spirit living in our lives. Because I don't know about you, but when, when the Holy Spirit prompts me to do something nice for someone, it's not because I'm such a great guy. It's because the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want you to bless this person. Because I probably wouldn't even be thinking about it. And so my only part to play in that is to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I want to do that. And you know what happens? There's such joy in doing that. And then God blesses more and, and God continues to pour. God is looking for a people that are teachable, that are humble, that are obedient, that he can pour through, that say, God, it's all yours. It's all yours and I'll do whatever you ask. I'm just a steward of it. I just get to watch over this stuff and enjoy it. But it's yours. It belongs to you. And so if you tell me to take this and give it to somebody or do something nice for somebody, then it, you're the owner of it. I'm just a steward. And we get the benefits of, of seeing the joy and being a part of that. And then also as God finds people that he can pour through, God just, just keeps pouring because he knows that we're trustworthy and that we have an understanding that we don't own it. He owns it. And we're just stewards. So that's really important. Let us not become conceited because of the good things that God has done, because of the position that God has elevated us to or whatever. It's all because of, of his favor and him giving us favor and things like that. It says, don't provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Oh, you know, I'm jealous of him. Look, look what he Look where he lives, or look at the job that he has, or look at this or that. Listen, God has given us all gifts and, and talents and abilities, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about through this series. And so if we would just do what God has called us to do, then we would walk in the fullness of life. Okay, maybe, maybe God wants to promote you or elevate you, but you're so stuck on yourself and looking at what the Joneses have or whatever. That God's like, you know what? You're not getting it. You need to learn this lesson here. You need to trust me. You need to obey what I've given you to do. And if God has given us this to do and we're not faithful in doing this, why is he going to give us this? So if we would just allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, we would all be better off. <laughs> okay. So let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So my first point this morning is spiritual fruit builds our character. Yielding to the Lord, being filled with His Spirit, empowers us to walk in victory in every area of our life. But we have to allow God to pour into our lives. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this is a very familiar passage of Scripture for most of you. 
And it says in, in verse 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. What has God done for you? He has saved us. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know the stuff, the, the baggage that you used to drag around. I don't know all the stuff you used to do, but I know the stuff I used to do. And God saved me. God plucked me out of a, a bad situation. Even though I was brought up in a Christian home, I still wandered away. Because that sinful nature, that stinking sinful nature, was dragging me back. And I wasn't fully committed to the Lord. But at some point in time, I said, you know what? This is crazy, God. This is crazy. I'm being crazy. I know that you love me. And I, I know that I'm not fulfilling what you've called me to do. And I'm not walking in the fullness of life. And I'm going to rededicate my life to you. And God began to, to do some things in my life. And, and you know what? He hasn't stopped. He keeps working in my life. But I came to that place where I said, God, I want to recommit my life to you. And so I want to give my body to God because of all he's done for me. I don't want to go back into sexual immorality and lustful pleasures and impurity and those, those things that I used to do before. I don't want to do that. And as, as God has brought life into me, those desires have waned. They've lessened. Okay, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. So when God sees you walking down the street, when God sees you at your workplace, when God sees you wherever, what does He see? Does He see a person with the fruit of the Spirit? Does he see a person with integrity? Does he see a person that's, that's, you know, living a double life? Or does he see a person that's really determined and has a heart for God? Let our lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Again, please, please hear me. It's not performance-based. It's not because I'm living this rigid legalistic life it's because god has transformed my life god has given me the desires to to walk in the spirit not in the flesh this is he says let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is truly you want to know how to worship god this is truly the way to worship god to let our lives be a living and holy sacrifice what do we say here at life fellowship we say live it Let's live what we say we believe. Or shut up. I mean, really, come on. The world doesn't want to hear it anymore. They're tired of hearing it. They want to see somebody live it. Come on. And that's us. So we go out in the world, and we're walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And when, when, they, when they see us, they see all this fruit hanging off of us. They see love. They experience love as, as we encounter them, as we... Uh, get to know them. And, and they say, man, the love of God is just flowing out of you. Wow. I want that. It's not, it's not the, the opposite of that lustful pleasure thing, you know, okay? The, the enemy always has a counterfeit. The counterfeit for love is lust and these sexual desires. That's not true love. Come on, that's just as, uh, to satisfy the flesh. That's all that is. And we know that the flesh cannot be satisfied. It's never satisfied. 
And so when people look at us, what fruit do they see? Love, joy. Do they say, do they see peace? Man, you have so much peace. We're, we're working in the same environment and the boss is, is chewing me up, up and down one side and the other and, and you and, and you just have peace. It's a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that are evident of the fruit of the spirit in our life. So when we look at our life, what do, are we seeing those things? And maybe it's a little bitty, uh, a, a lot of the fruit comes from a flower, right? But maybe there's a bud on there. There's a little flower. Well, well that's good. Because eventually it's going to grow into a fruit. And so as we begin to just allow God to work in our life, that fruit begins to grow. Verse 2, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you live. Oh, no, it doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? By changing the way you think. And we've talked about this before. You know, people have thought, well, repentance means just going this way and then turning a 180 and going this way. It doesn't mean that. It's not what it means. Because I can be going this way and fall into a trap and then turn around and go this way and fall into the same trap. Because I haven't changed the way I'm thinking. I'm going this way and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I need to change the way I think about that. That's not good for me. It's not good for my marriage. It's not good for my relationships. It's not good for my relationship with my Heavenly Father. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. He transforms us into a new person. How? By changing the way that we think. As we come into alignment with God's Word, as we read God's Word, as we come to Bible study on Wednesday night, and we, we have a greater understanding of the Word of God, it begins to change the way that we think. And then we begin to act different because the change is happening on the inside. Our hearts are being changed. Have you ever tried to change your behavior without your heart being changed? How's it work for you? It doesn't work because your heart is not changed goes on to say, then you will learn to know God's will for you. Okay, let me back up here, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So this is conditional now, all right? Let's look at the second part of this. If you do this, then what? Then what does it say? Then you will what? Learn. Because we don't know. And so God says, the, the word says, as we begin to yield our life and as we change the way that we think, then we begin to learn to know God's will for you, which is what? It's good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, so my first one is spiritual fruit builds our character. When we're talking about spiritual fruit, we're talking about character. It's really what we're talking about. We're talking about the character of God and dwelling and, and being within us. The character of God. God created us in what? In His image. To have His character. To have love and joy and peace. And I've challenged you guys with this before, and I want to challenge you again. Pray that God will give you the kind of love that He has for you and He has for others. Pray. God, I want to love like you do. I want that kind of love resident in my life. I really want to love people. 
Not this superficial, fake stuff. I really want to love people. I want you to do something in my heart, God. Give me that kind of love. Spiritual fruit builds our character. My second point is character matters. It's important, guys. And when we look at ministry, when we look at ministry in this house, life fellowship, integrity is vital. I'm a man of integrity, and everyone that serves on leadership teams, they have to demonstrate that they have integrity. It's important. It's imperative that we have good moral character. Now, I'm not talking about performing again. I'm talking about fruit because we have, we're connected to the source. Listen, if, if we're not connected to the source, if we're not getting our nutrition and the things that we need, how are we ever going to produce fruit? It's going to shrivel up and die. And so we stay connected to the source of God, and God pours into us. He gives us the nutrition to produce wonderful fruit, wonderful spiritual fruit. You guys remember when, uh, when I, I brought one or two of those, those lemons that, that my friend Elliot grows on his tree? You know, uh, a lemon is what, about, about that big around? And these lemons that he grows on his tree are literally like this big around? That's the kind of fruit, spiritual fruit, I want to have in my life. Not the kind that you find at H-E-B. I want the kind off of that tree that he has in his backyard. Those huge lemons. And so when, when, when I go out, I want to have this huge fruit of love, this huge fruit of joy, peace, patience. My, that fruit needs to grow some more. Come on, patience, get, get with it. Grow some more. So we want the fruit of the Spirit. Character matters. It's what's inside of us that comes out of us. There's a scripture that says, out of the abundance... Of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> that can be a good thing. It can be an, indicting, an, an indictment. Have you ever said something? You're like, where did that come from? It came from the overflow of your heart. Have you ever said something mean to someone? And you're, or, you know, you're just like, oh, oh I, that, that wasn't very nice. Where did it come from? came from your heart, came from the overflow. Not just a little bit was there. It was overflowing. It was gushing out. So it's what's inside of us that comes out of us. It comes from our heart. Character matters. And I've seen this, and you've probably seen this before, and I think I may have tweaked it a little bit, but character matters. Your heart puts your life in motion. Oh, it's my heart's desire to be a professional baseball player. Or it's, it's my heart's desire to become a nurse because I love working with people. I love helping people. Whatever that may look like. It begins with your heart, right? Because you have a passion. You have a desire for something. I remember when I first wanted to learn how to play drums. I didn't have a drum set. I had a pair of drumsticks, and I'd have a pillow over here, and I'd be beating on the mattress, you know, and that was my drum set. And then I had a tambourine, and that was my snare drum. So I'd be beating on the pillow and the, and the tambourine. But I had a passion. It began in my heart. It was something that was in my heart that drove me to do something. So your heart puts your life into motion. Your thoughts drive your actions. Think about it. Have you ever gone to HEB, and you, and you just pull up in the parking lot, and you're like, oh, what am I doing here? I, I, I don't know what... 
I guess I could go inside. It doesn't happen like that. Your actions don't drive your thoughts, right? You get it, you, you're at the house and you're saying, oh, I need some milk or I need something from the store. So you think about it and then you get into your car and you drive. You don't pull into the liquor store, Specs liquor store, and, and say, uh, what am I doing here? No, you're driving home from work, you've had a rough day or whatever, and you say, you know what, I'm just going to buy a fifth of whiskey. And so you determine, or you determine, you know what, we're going to start going to church every Sunday. That's a determination that we're going to make. We're going to come to Bible study. We're going to commit to those things. Where does it begin? It begins here with our thoughts. And so our actions are going to follow our thoughts. So your heart puts your life into motion. Your, act, your thoughts drive your actions. Your actions develop your habits. Your habits shape your character. Your character impacts your destiny. Character matters. How many times have we seen, thinking back to the 80s, uh, this tele, televangelist, Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart and those guys, you know, their character mattered. Their moral failure not only impacted them and their lives, but hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of people, wounded people. Character matters, guys. It matters. Integrity matters. Let's look at Galatians 5, 19 through 25 again. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's not ambiguous, okay? It's very clear, the results of our sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ah, I like that a lot better. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living, verse 25, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. A gift is generally given by someone. You know, I can give you a gift or someone can give you a gift. The fruit in our life comes from within. It's a result of, uh, it's an internal working where fruit is produced. Integrity comes from within. Integrity is not something that somebody says, oh, here, let me give you a cloak of integrity. Or put this on and you'll have integrity. Integrity is something that is a characteristic. It's part of who we are. Listen, either you have integrity or you don't have integrity. I mean, it's, it's, it's really one or the other. And so integrity comes from within. If you saw an apple on an orange tree, you would realize someone or something placed that there. It's not, an apple tree can't produce an orange. And so the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces spiritual fruit in us, good spiritual fruit in us. Our sinful nature does not. 
And so that's the struggle that we have. Really, the struggle is, is not in producing fruit. It's, it's what source are we going to be connected to? Are we going to be connected to the source of God? Or are we going to be connected to our sinful nature, our own selfish desires? The fruit from God's Spirit is God's, is God's designed character developed inside of us. That's why we need to have a relationship with Him. That's why we need to continue to come on Sunday mornings into Bible study. And men, I want you guys here tomorrow night or Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. I want you here. It's important that you're here, that we can grow together. We need one another. Men, you're the leader of this church, the leaders of this church, of your home, your family. So the fruit from God's Spirit is God's designed character developed inside of us. Where receiving a gift is normally an external event, the fruit in our lives is an internal event demonstrated by what is produced within. The fruit from the Spirit is an internal characteristic. There should be effects or results from the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. People should be able to look at our lives. Listen, I can look back and see in my own life how I've grown in all of these areas. I haven't arrived. But that's why we talk about the spiritual growth is a lifelong process. Spiritual growth and maturity. It's not like a light switch. You're mature, you're immature. You're, you know, it's a process of growth because God is doing something in our life. So my first point this morning is spiritual fruit builds our character. My second point is character matters. My third point is our character impacts our spiritual gifts. Spiritual fruit is the result is a result of God's work in our heart demonstrated through our actions and the way we live our lives. Let me say that again. Spiritual fruit is a result of God's work in our heart. Okay, God does a work in our heart and it's demonstrated through our actions and the way we live our lives. We're living it. The Lord gives us gifts he desires. The anointing the fire and the power of his gifts to us are directly tied to the fruit or the character of our lives. Like I talked about earlier, we, we've seen people that have, um, you know, are clearly gifted and uh, God is using in a powerful way. But then integrity or lack of integrity or moral failure hinders what God wants to do through their life. And so that's why I wanted to start with this in this series that the fruit of the Spirit is vital, that we have it, but there's a correlation between the fruit, the character in our life, the fruit of the Spirit in our life, and how powerfully God can use us or will use us. Because if we're not people of integrity, it's going, it's, it's going to show up. Eventually, it will show up. And I remember in Corpus a number of years ago, our pastor said, he said, listen, guys, you need to get it right. Get it right in your closet. Because you don't want it exposed. Get it right. So let's get our lives right with God. Let's yield our life to God. Let's walk in the, in the Spirit of God. I know, uh, in fact, I'm, I, I got a text from my pastor this morning, about 6 o'clock this morning, and, and uh, I've been talking to him about coming down. This is a man that I've known for decades who walks in tremendous power. Tremendous prophecy. The anointing of God, the love of God is amazing in his life. 
And it's amazing how God will give him insight. And, uh, you know, I've seen this man walk in that, that integrity and that power and that anointing. He just finished another 40-day fast. 40 days, no food. I think, I think the only thing he had other than water was maybe some juice. And he, and he told me that when he gets to the end of his fast, he can't even drink water, regular water because it has too much salt in it. Have you ever tasted salt in it? He has to get a special kind of water. But that's the commitment that he has to the Lord. And the results or the power of God moving through his life in a powerful way. This is a man that, that I consider an apostle of God. I mean, you hear people say, well, I'm an apostle. This man, there are hundreds, there are, there are tens of thousands of pastors that are under him. He truly is, he truly is an apostle. You know, there are people that, that we know, that I know, that are world changers because of the power of God that's working through their life. And they make a choice. They make a decision to allow God to yield God and to allow God to work in their life. And that's a decision that all of us can make. And then it's up to him to do the work. Romans eleven twenty nine says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. God is not, I don't know if you ever heard this phrase, oh, they're an Indian giver. And what that meant was they would give you something and take it back. I'm thinking that's kind of messed up. It, the Indians weren't the Indian givers, wasn't it? The white man that was the Indian giver that would tell them, hey, you can have this land, and then they would take it back. But anyway, the point was that if, if you were an Indian giver, you would give something and then take it back. God is not an Indian giver. God doesn't do that. He doesn't give gifts and take it back. But it breaks his heart when he gives a spiritual gift and a calling to someone, and they just throw it in the mud, that they poo-poo it off, that they don't do anything with it, or because of lack of integrity or whatever. God is not wanting to damage people. He gives gifts. He gives callings. He gives the anointing to help people so that they can walk in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, so that they can lead others to Christ, not destroy their relationship with Christ. And so God has a purpose and plan for you. God has giftings and callings for you. His call and his gifts can never be withdrawn. However, sin and failed moral character can hinder the anointing and the power of God through our life. And again, please hear me. It's not about performing. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe. It's all about the Lord working in our life and him doing something, us yielding to him. One of the things that I've experienced, too, is when I, when I sin, when I do something that I know I shouldn't do, I get kind of caught up in this guilt thing. And so I don't want to live like that. I don't want, that. I don't want to live in a, in a continual uh, thing of guilt like a, a hamster wheel going around. And God doesn't desire that we live like that. He wants us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, to walk in the power and the anointing. So my first point is spiritual fruit builds our character. Second point is character matters. My third point is our character 
impacts our spiritual gifts. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. If you're here and God is speaking to your heart, you know that. If God is tugging on your heart this morning, maybe you had a relationship with him at one time and you've walked away. Maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord. This can be a new day. You can say, I I look in the mirror and I see this sinful nature fruit. I want the Spirit of God fruit. I want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what I want to just have in my life. If God is speaking to your heart this morning, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. There's no shame in that. No shame in that whatsoever. Anybody. God loves you. God wants to do something in your life today. You can walk out of this building a new person. As we just read in Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so very much that our relationship is not based on our performance, it's based on your grace. And through committing our life to you, then you begin to transform our life, making us a new person. And then we learn to know God's will, your will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Thank you for that. As you go out this week, I want you to be thinking about this message. I want you to be thinking about the fruit in your lives. I want you to be thinking about how you're yielding to God and allowing Him to grow that fruit in your life because there's a whole world out there that needs to see the fruit of God. They need to see the love of God. And so God is going to use us this week, I know it, to touch a lost and dying world that's looking for the hope. And God is looking for some people that will say, send me. Are you one of those people this morning that will say, send me, God? I'll go. So let's go out and be world changers that God has called us to. God loves you so very, very much. So go out and share that love with the people that need to know it. Will you do that this week? Amen. You're dismissed. Go out and live it.